Lord willing, today we are going to work from verse 16 to the end of the chapter, which would be verse 25, 16 through 25. When we started chapter 4 a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at how Abraham was justified by faith. And we got into the the first part of the chapter. We saw how Paul decided to hone in on Abraham to give an example of what righteousness through faith would actually look like. So he hones in on Abraham because for many people, people would have thought that Abraham would have been the guy in the Old Testament that if anyone could be righteous through their works, it would be Abraham. So Paul goes to Abraham and says, no, that's not the case at all. And then he turned to David and quoting Psalm 32, especially at that time because that was a, a psalm of repentance for David. And he goes to that example to show us that even though you may be a murderer, a liar, an adulterer, That again, your righteousness is through faith and not your works. Amen? Amen. Amen. Last week we jumped in and looked at a little bit of Genesis 17. And Paul moved to circumcision. And he was saying that it was Abraham was justified when he was credited with righteousness. It was before he was circumcised. And that was to show us that he was the, the father or is the father of all nations, those who are not circumcised and those who are circumcised, because again, it is by faith that we are saved. And I gave you a little an acronym there with faith, fight the good fight, assurance with the A there, being a, you're assured that faith itself, you're not going to see things. That's what faith is, is believing in things that you do not see. The I there was with God, anything is possible. I encourage you to take hold of the things that God has promised and hold on to them. So let's pray before we get into our text today and see what God has for us. Let's pray together. God, you are worthy of all blessing, all honor, all glory. And so we praise you, we glorify you, we give you all the glory, and we are so very thankful, Lord, that you would send your son Jesus to die for us, that he would rise for us, that he's at your right hand interceding for us, and one day he is coming back for us. We're thankful that you've given us your spirit to live inside of us, and Holy Spirit, now I ask that you would help me to preach this text. Pray that I would have your your power, Lord, as I I preach your word and that your word, your glorious word would break into the hearts and minds of everybody that's here. For those who do not know you, that they would come to know you today. For those who know you, Jesus, that they would look more like you, Jesus. Show us how big you are today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 16 through 25. Let's read. I'm going to read. You can follow along silently, and then we'll work through it verse by verse. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. 
Not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Instead of jumping up to verse 16, we're going to start in verse 23 today. Caught you off guard. You weren't ready for that. Why do I want to start there? Well, look what it says. Verse 23. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, verse 24, but for ours also. So Paul says in this section that going back to when it was written about Paul, when Moses wrote this down, when it was written about Abraham, rather, that it was counted to him as righteousness. It was not just for Abraham's sake. It was not just for Moses' sake or the nation of Israel's sake. It was for your sake. That was written for you and me and all believers, all times, all places. It was written for our sake. So that we would understand that our righteousness does not come from our works but through faith so this section as we're working through i want you to remember that this is written for you today and let's see what god will show us now up to verse 16 that is why it depends on faith why does it depend on faith why does our righteousness depend on faith paul why in order verse 16 in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring. See, the, the, the promise here, it has to rest on grace. If it rests on works, or it has to rest on faith, is if it rests on works, then guess what? There's no grace. You can't have both. And there would be no guarantee. Let me, let me encourage you with something. If your justification, if your righteousness was dependent on your works, there's no guarantee that you're making it. In fact, there's a guarantee that you're not. That's the guarantee. There's no guarantee for any of us to make it if it's based upon works. So what Paul is saying here, it has to be, it has to depend on faith. So the, the guarantee to all of his offspring, to all who would have faith like Abraham, would make it. That's why your salvation is not because of your works. And guess what? It's why you can't lose your salvation either. Because you know what? If it was contingent on us remembering or holding fast, we would be in trouble because most of you lose your car keys. You lose your wallet. 
We forget stuff all the time. Oh, my goodness, we have loved ones and family members. As they get dementia, as their mind goes, somebody who has followed Jesus and loved Jesus, and all of a sudden they're not acting the same way, they're not saying the same thing, they even might even say they don't even believe. That's a consequence of sin. That's the fallen nature of this world. But if Jesus has them, right? If Jesus is holding on to them, they don't slip through. They don't slip through, and we praise God for that, that it's a guarantee, and He gives us His Spirit inside as a seal. But he says it's a guarantee to all of his offspring. Then Paul's going to explain what he means by all of his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, but also the one who shares the faith of Abraham. Again, going back to not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles. All are considered, if they have faith like Abraham, children of Abraham. Who is the father of us all. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. That's going back to Genesis again, quoting. In the presence of God in whom he believed. God spoke it to him and God is the witness. That means, guess what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It is happening. And that's why we see when we're singing these songs, especially from these out of the book of Revelation, there will be a multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Ah, Abraham, father of many nations, all nations, that have faith like he does. And God says, I guarantee it's going to happen. And we rejoice in that. So he's, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed. Now we have to hone in right here. This just kicked me in the gut this week. Just, yeah, deep inside. Look at this. Who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. <laughs> now again, what, what's going on with Abraham, of course, when this was... Talking back here, Abraham, Sarah, old, we're going to get to the rest of that. They haven't had kids. They're not going to have kids. There's no way from the, from the earth standards that it's going to happen. And so Paul here is saying the one who gives life to the dead. And some commentators think that maybe that the Lord right around this time is when he gave Sarah her child. Calls, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. I have on your notes for you some, some things that I want to say. I titled this sermon today, Is Your God Big Enough? And some of you right away go, oh yeah, my God's big enough. Let's get a little more personal with it. Is your God big enough? Another way of saying it or adding to it, is your God big enough to be enough? Is your God big enough to be enough for you? If your God is, give, is big enough, let me ask you this. Do you live like it? Do you read the scriptures like it? Do you pray like it? Let me tell you some ways that your God is big enough. It's in your notes here. Your God is big enough to forgive all of your sin. And some of you need to hear this. I mean all of your sin. Past present, and future, even those things that are deep down that you think, there is no way that God could actually forgive me. The things that I've done. Oh yeah, He can. 
He does if you cry out to him. Your God is big enough for you to cast your burdens on him. Your God is big enough for you to cast your burdens on him. Some of you try to carry that load yourself. You try to carry the burdens in your life, the burdens for other people, the burdens for your husband, the burdens for your spouse, for your kids, and you try to carry those all the time. And Jesus would say to you, cast them on me because I care for you. His shoulders are big enough to carry them all. And I love you, but yours are not. Stop trying to carry them. If you're living in such a way where you keep trying to hold those burdens yourself, then guess what? You're not seeing your God as big enough. You need to give them to him. Let me encourage you with this. Your God is big enough to provide all that you need, not all that you want. Sometimes we get a little confused on those. He's big enough to provide all that you need. And sometimes, whether it's being generous to others, giving to the church, giving to others, whatever it is, you hold back because you're nervous. What about this? What about that? Will you listen to me? Your God is big enough to take care of you. He is. Some of you might be out of work or you're struggling. He will take care of you. He will not let you down. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Your God is big enough. Do you see him as big enough? Let's get a little more personal. Your God is big enough to lead you to forgive anyone who has sinned against you. Any sin that somebody has committed against you, your God is big enough to help you by his spirit to forgive others. And some of you are holding on to it. You're holding on to it. And so what's happening? You don't see your God as big enough to be enough. Some of you are holding on to anger. Some of you are holding on to fear, especially with things going on right now. And some of you are holding on to shame. Your God is big enough. He's big enough. He's big enough to handle that. He's big enough for you to let it go. The question is, do you see him as big enough? How about that broken relationship? Maybe between a husband and wife, between your kids, grandkids, coworker, somebody that, man, it's just there. It's just broken. It just, it, there's no way this could ever be fixed, God. You could not fix this. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can. He's big enough. And even if that other person won't come around, he's big enough to give you peace in it. And he's big enough to lead you to do the right thing and honor him with how you live. He's big enough to save that lost child of yours. That grandchild that's gone astray. And you're thinking, Lord, please. He's big enough. Cry out to him. Pray, pray that others would come into that child or grandchild or friend's life, spouse's life. Your God is big enough. The question is, do you see him as big enough to be enough? He's big enough to give you a spouse if you're single and desiring that. But I'll tell you what, he's also big enough if he doesn't give you a spouse because that's not what's good for you. 
He's big enough to be there for you. He's big enough to be all that you need. He's big enough to be enough. But do you see him that way? Some of you may be like Abraham and Sarah and wanting children, but you never were able to. Do you know that God is big enough to still give you a child? He's also big enough to tell you that maybe you need to adopt. We should love adoption as Christians. (laughs) We're adopted into God's family. How can we not love adoption? We need to have a heart for adoption. We need to have people who are adopting kids who need homes. You might say, well, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't know if I could do that. Is your God big enough? I don't know. It's expensive. Is it expensive? Yeah, usually it is. Guess what? Is your, is your God big enough? He is. He's big enough to give you peace. Some of you just do not have peace. But that's linked to, remember, that is going to be an overflow of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. You have to walk and step with His Spirit and see God as enough. And as it boils out of your soul to have peace. Some of you don't have peace. You're not looking at God rightly. You're looking at circumstances. Instead of your God. Who's big enough to be enough. Your God is big enough to heal from sickness. He is. And He will ultimately heal everybody. Question is, in this life, will He or will He not? But guess what? Even if He doesn't, He's big enough to help you to suffer well. Sister, He's big enough to help you to suffer well, and you're doing it. Keep your eyes on Him. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. And in the end, you will be healed. He's big enough to defeat death. Death doesn't win, folks. We were praying for people who are losing people and COVID's doing this and this is happening. He's big enough. But you can trust Him with your eternal soul. Is your God big enough? Do you see your God as big enough for Him to be enough in your life? If everything else goes, can you say, He's enough? Going to continue on. Let's go through the rest of the passage. Let me reiterate here, though. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. That's why he's able to do all the things that we just talked about. Is He's the one that from nothing, he creates everything. You might say, well, I have nothing to bring, Lord. I'm in a spot right now where I have nothing to bring. Then you're in a good spot. Bring your nothing to him. And he'll make it beautiful. He gives life to the dead. That's what he does in salvation. That's what he's, we're all dead and he makes us alive in Christ. If you're here and you're like, I I think I'm still dead. You're in a good spot for the moment. You know why? You can cry out to him today, right now for salvation and he will make you alive. Cry out to him. Going on with Abraham, verse 18. In hope... He believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he, was, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Saying here that basically, worldly standards, there was no hope for Abraham. But against all hope, he still believed. Not because it made sense, 
but because he knew who his God was. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith. Look at this. He didn't weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead. Thanks, Paul. Since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. He didn't look at his circumstances and then start to have weak faith. He didn't do that. We can learn from him there. No unbelief, verse 20, made him waver concerning the promise of God. But look at this. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And don't miss that, folks. He grew strong in his faith as he was doing something. What is it that he's doing there? He gave glory to what? So as you give glory to God, your faith grows. You don't, I'm going to get really strong in my faith, and then I'm going to glorify God. You want strong faith? Glorify God. That's what he's doing. He said he didn't weaken. He doesn't look around at the circumstances and go, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I don't think God can do it. That's impossible. He looks to God, and he looks to God's promises, and he says, you know what? I praise you that you can do all things. I praise you that you're good. I praise you for your promises. And then his faith grows. Some of you would say, I have small faith. I don't really have a lot of faith. Start praising your God. Praise God for who he is, what he has done, and what he's going to do. And your faith will grow. The Spirit will use it. His faith grew, verse 20, as he, as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that faith grows, and he's fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. You need to ask yourself, do you, are you fully convinced that God can do what he says he can do? If so, do you live like it? Do you pray like it? Do you give like it? Do you read the scriptures like it? If not, then maybe you're not fully convinced of that. Verse 22, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Now we go back to 23, which we looked at earlier in 24. But the words that was counted to him were not for his sake alone but for ours also, who will be counted to us, here we go, who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. With no resurrection, there's no justification. That means you are not made right before God and you have no hope. But brothers and sisters, that tomb is empty, was empty. That is, that points to that God said Jesus' sacrifice was enough. He said that sacrifice is sufficient for all of you. And some of you are still living and the motive for your serving, the motive for what you're doing is you're trying to justify yourself before God. You cannot and will not do it but i've got great news if you'll do what this says these two verses and you believe in him who raised from the dead jesus our lord if you put your faith in christ and his death burial and resurrection you are justified amen